0: Hey, my podcast family, welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Please follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. I have a lot to read to you today. Um, Other than the reading, it's probably going to be a short episode, but I think it's going to be a good one. So, we're going to start in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. And the New American Standard Bible reads As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Now we're moving to 2 Samuel, the 19th chapter. And I think I'm going to read it in its entirety, 1 through 13. Forgive me for the mispronouncing, I can't even say mispronunciations of the words. (laughs) Then David said, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul so that I could show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they summoned him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there no one remaining of the house of Saul to whom I could show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, one who is disabled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house, house of Machir, pronounce it that way, and the son of Ammiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent messengers, who brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Ammiel, from Lodabar, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. And David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will assuredly show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all all that your grandfather Saul and yourself shall eat. Wait a minute kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan and I will restore to you all the land and your grandfather of your grandfather Saul and you yourself shall eat at my table regularly again he prostrated himself and said what is your servant that you should concern about a dead dog like me then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said to him everything that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for them, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson will have food to eat. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Seba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Seba said to the king, in accordance with everything that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son who was named Micah or Micah, and all who lived in the house of Zebra were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he ate at the king's table regularly and he was disabled in his own feet. Those names, right? I know it was a lot, but I think you can see where I'm going in this episode. We're looking at David as a servant over Israel, God's anointed shepherd over Israel. And I want us to look at the standard that he set before the nation of Israel. In this story, we see that he set a standard of love and integrity and commitment. It is not a secret that David and Jonathan had a really deep love for each other. The first passage that I read highlights that. But if we look at it from Jonathan's, you know, perspective, I mean, at least superficially, he was the next in line. Jonathan was supposed to be the successor to his father, Saul, right? But God saw differently and gave that insight to Jonathan. That's why it said he knitted the soul of David, like he recognized that God's hand was on David so for him to relinquish all control that would have been considered you know something crazy but the fact that he did it I find phenomenal as you continue to read you will find that the relationship that David and um, Jonathan had caused caused a little bit of strife between Jonathan and his father Saul but he maintained that friendship anyway and what I don't want us to miss in this lesson is that is the proper allegiance what proper loyalty and allegiance looks like Jonathan could have aligned himself with his father everyone would have expected him to do so that was his blood yet he saw the influence of God and the anointing of God on David it didn't mean that he loved his father any less but he knew God was working in David now think about the loyalties that we give people in our lives. Do we um, do it even though we know that what they're doing is wrong? Or what they're asking of us or others is wrong? It's not in alignment with God's word? Yet we go along with it. Why? These relation, The relationship between David and Jonathan is here to show us that to me, I believe, it's here to show us what we should be looking for in relationships. In looking, We should be looking for God in everything, in everyone, even our own family. And looking at who we are aligning ourselves with. I know the saying, blood is thicker than water, but God created the blood. So we are to make sure that we first align ourselves with God and His Word and then ask him to show us how or who we're to give our loyalty and allegiance to. It doesn't mean that we love people any less. (laughs) But when you know God is working in someone or in a situation and you have family members or a spouse or siblings or co-workers or whatever that are trying to persuade you to go their routing and the Holy Spirit has already shown you that that isn't the way to go, you have no choice but to do what Jonathan did and to go with David. (laughs) No choice. So let's not miss that, that Jonathan saw God and aligned himself with God, regardless of the fact that his dad was on the other end. Second, let's look at David's commitment to the friendship, even after death. I mean, After a person dies, you know, sometimes you think, well, that's it. I I, I was going to do a person a favor, but they passed away or they moved away, and now I really can't do anything. No, that's not what this passage suggests. I found this to be a beautiful story. Just because his friend was gone, David's desire to honor, honor him and their friendship never went away until he knew that he had exhausted everything within his power. Um to bring honor to his friend to the point of him asking for ways to bless which is essentially what he's doing when he's asking his servants are there any relatives left he says it are there any relatives less left that I can bless now the passage doesn't identify whether there may have been other um relatives that he had already blessed that could be a very real possibility it 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 doesn't necessarily mean that Mephibosheth was the only one but maybe he was the only one left that David didn't know about and so David is still inquiring as to how can I honor my friend and our friendship and so then the last person I guess is Mephibosheth and we understand why he's last and discarded and it's because he has a disability And in those days, they didn't have the technology, you know, that we have. And so anyone who was born with any kind of infirmity or a birth defect or um, encountered one later on in life, they thought it was a result of sin. And so, of course, they're disfigured and whatnot, and they just ostracized them. They just kicked them to the curb. But yet, one, I find it interesting and only God that, that the servant, the servant Ziba remembered Mephibosheth because he could have discarded him too. Oh, he's handicapped. We don't need to deal with him, but he remembered him. And so he brought that to the attention of David. And then David elevated him and brought him in his temple and gave him the inheritance of Saul. So maybe there weren't any other relatives, I don't know, but you saw what he gave and he set him up for success and he, it's like he changed his family tree because not only was Mephibosheth able to come and eat regularly at the king's table, but now he owned land and he had servants and they cultivated the land as David had given them instruction. So that was a viable business. So he was, he set him up for life. He gave him his inheritance. That's a beautiful thing, don't you think? A beautiful thing. God appointed David not only to look after Israel um, from a military standpoint to lead them into battle, but also in the day-to-day to set the example of what kingdom living looks like. And so in this beautiful story of Jonathan, we see the story of friendship. We see the story of a friend recognizing God's calling in another. And then we see the other friend recognizing and loving his friend to the point of blessing him throughout his generations. And that's just beautiful. So David sets up his reign with integrity and love. Now, we already know that he wasn't perfect, (laughs) so it didn't stay that way, but at least it started that way. And so let us remember and look at, once again, who who we're really loyal to. And then if we have friendships and we've made promises or agreements, let's make sure that we stay faithful to those agreements. Let us be men and women of integrity. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful story of friendship. And we thank you for the friends that you've placed in our midst. Help us to be as committed as David and Jonathan were to each other. Help us to see you in each other. Help us also, Father, to have discerning eyes to see you in those around us, whether it be a spouse or siblings, or coworkers, but give us your discerning spirit to show us who we need to be loyal to, who we should align with. Help us to to be the example of what godly love is, your love is, and help us to walk with love, commitment, and integrity because we want our lives to honor you. Thank you for being a God who forever guides us and asks us to do a little bit more, come up a little bit higher, because you know you created us to be able to do so. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, men and women women of God, And my fellow caregivers, go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus.